Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 149 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is December 20th. 2010, almost done with this year of 2010. I can't believe it felt like it just started. Uh, but we got a great show for you on the podcast. Things are slowing down a little bit. We've got a bunch of questions coming in that we want to talk about the team, talk about recruiting. We're going to do that with Coach Harvey Hyde. And we'll get Gerard Martinez on the phone a little bit and talk all about those topics. Um, that's what we're going to have this week on the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. 24 hours a day, you can leave us an email. We'll answer your questions next week on the podcast. Or you can give us a call, hear your voice on the podcast, leave us a voicemail at 206-888-6755 is the number. That's 206-888-6755. Leave us a voicemail. We can play it on the podcast and answer your questions. And we always like to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde. He was on special assignment last week. We didn't get to talk to him, but he is back this week. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Buddy, I'm doing great. I want to say happy holidays to everyone out there. I tell you, it's raining. It's a wet field, but uh, we're going to get started here and uh, have a great show. Certainly, Coach, and wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment, Rain or Shine. You can get your tickets at sctickets.com, 1-800-888-7287 is the phone number, or just go to sctickets.com. They've been helping out Coach and myself for a while now, and they can help you out as well. You want to go to some of those bowl games or anything like that? Lakers games, even Clippers games, maybe they'll get hot here at some point. Go to sctickets.com and give them a shout-out. And, Coach, you uh, you trying to stay dry here in all this rain? Trying to stay dry, but I went out in it today. You know, you got to play that game no matter what the weather is or what day it's on. It could be Christmas Day, but if you're in a bowl game, you got to play it, right? You don't have the day off. So if it's raining, you got to go out and practice in it. So I was out practicing this morning in it, and uh, you know, with my walk or jog. And uh, I'm back now and dry it off, and I'm... Uh, Ready to play. So, Ryan, uh, let's get started. And I, I want to thank you for allowing me a sick day last week. I wasn't really sick. I wasn't on special assignment. Let's really be thorough. I was on secret assignment. Oh, sorry, sorry. Secret <laughs> assignment. So that means if maybe a time, if we have time, we can talk about some secret things today. Certainly, Coach. And uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you're staying dry. It's so uh, we've had. If you're if you don't live in the LA area, we've had record rainfalls over the past couple of days and. Typical, like I had my parents come in from out of town, Massachusetts, where you know it's been miserable weather there. But and my sister came in from Washington D.C. That was a surprise as well. We had eighty degree temperatures before they came out here. I was down on the beach playing volleyball. It was beautiful. Then as soon as they come in, it pours, rains every single day. Uh, so yeah, it was it wasn't really good luck for us this weekend. Hey Ryan, can I just pass on a message to everybody about an event being held in Pasadena? Yeah, certainly. Good. Listen, the passing of uh, Tournament of Roses and the Rose Bowl uh, Hall of Fame is going to be held on December the 30th. Now, a lot of people don't think they can attend this event, but they can attend this event. It is a great event. Uh, I'm going to be going to it. The three inductees this year are going to be Brad Buddy, uh, All-American guard from USC, Coach Hayden Fry from Iowa, Coach three Rose Bowl teams, and Leroy Keys from uh 
the University of Purdue. These three gentlemen are going into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. The event is December the 30th at 12 noon in the Pasadena Convention Center. Uh, please uh, call for ticket information. I'm going to get that number for you here if I can. Here it is. Area code 626-449-7360. That's 626-449-7360 for ticket information regarding the the Tournament of Roses and the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. Uh, Keith Jackson is going to be the MC, so you'll see a legend there. I'm going to do the introduction as far as introducing him and opening and closing remarks. And, and this is a great event. There's only about 200 tickets. It's a very close group, peop, uh, a bunch of people, uh, athletic directors from the Big Ten and Pac-10, and everybody's at this event. But people can attend it. And a lot of times it's sort of quiet and, you know, you don't know you can. So just call that telephone number and get tickets. That's the December the 30th at 12 noon at the Pasadena Convention Center, the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. And thank you, Ryan, for letting me get that out to the Oh, people. no problem, Coach. Exclusive event, man. Only 200. That's uh, So you should call now. Yeah, yeah it's a small <laughs> small but exclusive, and, and it's really great. You get up. They have all the, you know, other Hall of Famers that come there, Rex Kern, uh, let's see, all these guys, Bob Stiles, all of the guys from the past. I mean, it's almost like a Heisman Trophy event. It, it really is. You have some great players and coaches. In fact, the induct Barry Alvarez is going to present uh, Hayden Fry. So you're going to see a lot of the Wisconsin people and athletic director and TCU people. So if you're out there and you want to come to a special event, make sure you do that. All right, Coach, that sounds good. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about this Trojan team a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, the season ends. There's no bowl game. There's no bowl practices, and uh, players are starting. You know, they had their finals. They're starting up workouts again. Um, you know, obviously there'll be the time off for Christmas break and all that stuff. But the the news coming soon. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I mean, you're going to hear about guys, you know, uh, declaring for the NFL draft. Uh, there was been a, we reported on uscfootball.com a couple of guys that we felt weren't going to be coming back. Uh, Lonnie Fangupo, the big defensive tackle. Um, and you know, we had that in the war room. I think it was a couple weeks ago. We put that there. Mike Reardon is another guy we talked about, at least in this last war room. And uh, Michael Lev from the Orange County Register got a quick phone interview with him and put up a story recently. And basically, you know, his according to him, he's still on the fence about doing this. But he's a kid that's graduated already. He's got a job waiting for him at his father's construction company. He's had injury problems. You know, he doesn't want to be limping around the rest of his life. He's not really looking for some kind of NFL career. He's already started some games at USC uh, this year. He does have one year of eligibility left, and he's mulling it over, you know, because his body has been through so much. And he would like to go to grad school at Annenberg, and that would be free, obviously, if he played football there. So that's something that he's kind of mulling over. But, Coach, this is the kind of time of year where sometimes some of the, the news and stuff comes out. You hear stories like this where guys could leave, especially with the sanctions. There's no penalty for seniors transferring if they want to – not just give up playing, but go somewhere else. I mean, there's potential for some some good news, but some you know certainly some bad news coming in the coming weeks. I agree with you. Uh, first of all, Michael Michael should stay at USC, finish his career, especially understanding too that the offensive line is really thin. I'd like to see Michael stay. Uh, he can go to grad school at USC. People will appreciate it. Uh, he started only a portion of the year. Uh, yes, he did have a tough year as far as injuries and so on. And so I would suggest that, uh, you know, he gets into it. He runs that first unit. He, he becomes a better football player and a 
a tougher guy and goes to graduate school. Plus, I would say that the construction business is not real good right now. So give your dad a break Keep to make sure he keep, you keep your dad off the payroll and save him money as far as going to graduate school and get it paid for. And when it comes back, you'll be ready to go. So I'd really like to see Michael stay. I think he's a great player, and he, he didn't have a lot of chance to play a lot. And I think this will help him a lot because he was a tight end, a defensive end, and now he's a starting guard. As far as the young man who's transferring to BYU, who transferred from Mount Sac, he never did the – did he really play a lot at USC? He was injured uh, several times. He's transferring to BYU, and he's immediately eligible. Was he a junior or a senior? Uh, I think that is a uh, – now, don't get me wrong. I'm happy for the kid having a place to go, but I think that rule as far as being immediately eligible still now being into effect I think is is absolutely ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous to, to allow student-athletes to just all of a sudden pack their bags and leave uh, I can't believe what type of sanction the, the NCAA did, and 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 I, I think it's ruthless. I don't know what else to call it. It's just a ridiculous thing. They can't put put me on probation, and the school can't say certain things, but I'm not afraid to say it. I think it's an absolute uh, ridiculous for educators and people who work with their peers and so on on the college level, back and forth have this type of rule and the things they've done to USC as far as over their sanctioning. And I think everybody understands what I'm saying there. So uh, I think Jarrell Casey now, uh, as far as coming out, he had a tremendous year and so on. Should he come out? I don't think so. I think he needs another year out of out of uh, being coached by Ed Orgeron. I think that, yeah. Will he go in the first round? I'm not sure. I think the big money's in the first round. I, I don't know if he'll go in the first round. Whoever told him he might go in the first round, uh, I would make that person guarantee the difference if he goes in the second round. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you. I say, I'm going to the first round, okay? Then if I don't go in the first round, you're going to give me the bonus, okay? Because, you know, you can tell kids anything, and uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. As far as now, Tyrone too, uh, he declared he's going out too, didn't he? Yeah, he he did. He actually was just awarded the uh, Morris Trophy for the Pac-10 um, Offensive Lineman of the Year. Uh, they the Morris Trophy goes to the uh, you know two top linemen in the Pac-10, and uh, Tyron Smith did win that. He also declared for the NFL draft. Well, I think that that he's not ready either. He's tall. He's still thin. He's a great athlete. He can run. But he's not strong enough yet to play in the NFL. I don't think his upper body is strong enough. Uh, he's a great athlete, great award, and so on. But staying in uh, another year would definitely help him out. Will he be a first-round pick? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, again, uh, he would be if he stayed in school and got bigger and stronger and played in the system and so on and became a better, I think, man blocker and pass blocker. He has quick feet, and that's what people look for. Uh, I, I just don't think anyone on last year's USC's team is ready to go into the NFL. I really don't. I think they need a good offseason, a good good weight, a fresh attitude, and be able to play and go. But who am I to tell them what to do? I wish they would do uh, stay in school, get their education, mature, stay, and move on. Other kids that might be leaving as far as going to four-year schools, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If you look at who went on this year, and I'm not going to mention names, how many of them really had a successful year? How many of them who went to other schools that left USC this year, how many of them really had a successful year? Most of them got hurt. 
didn't play. So, you know, uh, I think T- Patterson probably was the only one that played a little bit. Uh, but but still, uh, I think they've, if they'd all stayed at USC, it would have been a more enjoyable experience for them in college. They would have had a great degree in college, and they'd have been local here. Most of them were local except for a couple of them that went back towards home, and that's not going to help them out. So that's how I feel on that. I, I, I really am uh, I'm real big on loyalty. I'm real big on paying a price for a university. Uh, I don't like quitters, not that these kids are quitters, and I certainly don't like what the NCAA did to USC as far as allowing the open market on their roster for juniors and seniors. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. All right, Coach. Well, I I think I I told you what I think. You did, and I I pretty much agree with you. It's uh... It's been a little ridiculous. Well, let's get to some questions. We did have a voicemail question that came in. We had a bunch of them last week, and they mentioned you, and we had Dan Weber kind of tackling them. But there was one from Terry and our friend Terry, and that he really had a question specifically for you, Coach. So we're gonna we'll play that one so you can listen to that. Here it is. Okay. Hi, hi, Ryan and Coach. Hi, this is Terryan from uh, Las Vegas. It's been a tough year, but all of you on the podcast have continued to do great work. So thanks to you all. Ryan, Coach I, Dan, or Gerard, uh, we really enjoy it. Coach, I have one of my general football questions for you. On any football game broadcast, sooner or later you're going to hear uh, someone refer to a bad play by the visiting team, for example, a turnover or a penalty, and they'll say, you just can't afford to do that on the road. Well, besides giving the home crowd something to root about, it seems to me that bad plays like that can hurt you at home as well as on the road. So can you tell me, Coach, why a bad play supposedly hurts you more on the road than at home? And just as a a side thing, Coach, just wanted to add quickly that I'm a transplant at Southern California. who has been living here in Las Vegas for seven years. I know you're over here all the time. I like nothing better than a chance to meet you and say hello to you sometime in the future so again thanks for everything guys and happy holidays to you all well thank you very much it's very nice of you to say and i would look forward to meeting you too uh i broadcast in uh, las vegas on monday tuesdays wednesdays and thursday nights uh if you could call the studio i'd love to invite you to one of my shows there on a tuesday night i'd have you right in the studio and they will give you my cell number or whatever, or if you leave your number, the studio number is uh, area code 702-221-1200, and I'd be happy to uh, meet you personally and invite you right in the studio, and you could be uh, on with me during the show. Or if you don't feel like being on with me during the show, then you can say, listen, listen to me do the show. <laughs> But uh, uh, as far as your questions are concerned, turnovers hurt you no matter where you are. And what what I think the announcer basically means is the momentum of the game and the momentum of the crowd. The crowd gets fired up at turnovers. And the timing of turnovers is what's really uh, crucial. It's when it happens and what's the score and how much time left in the half or quarter. Is that turnover going to make a difference in the game or like a turnover when you intercept the ball and the clock's running out and you're on a two-minute drive and that wins the game. You can't have turnovers anywhere. It's not that if it's on the road or at home, you just can't afford turnovers. But I think the momentum changing of a game and the timing of when that turnover happens is so important. 
especially if it's it's a winning drive or or something that had more to do with the turnover maybe when the game is out of done with. You've already lost the game or you've won the game big, then that turnover isn't as crucial. But in close football games, turnovers always make a difference. And I think I think that's just a statement that announcers say. You know, announcers have their little uh, couches or what do you want to call that thing that they just say, oh, you can't afford to make that type of turnover on the road. Well, really, you can't afford to make that turnover anywhere. So uh, I think that's just something that announcers use and so on. And you can't, uh, you know, it fills air time, okay? Let me put it to you that way. And it basically makes you aware of a listener that this turnover is crucial in the situation. I think that's basically what it is. They're trying to make you aware of, hey, this shouldn't have happened now because of look at the down-distance situation, field position, or so on, or time on the clock, where uh, this this is a crucial thing, especially on the road. That's all the way I can answer it. No, uh, maybe someone else has got another answer, but I guess that's what they mean. Yeah, I think so, Coach, and just maybe a, a part of it is being able to recover easier at home. That If you do make a bad play, the crowd can help you kind of get back into the game where – it might be harder to bounce back from something like a bad play on the road. I don't mean, it could refer to something like that as well. I think so. I think that's what they mean, but uh, uh, someone might have, well, maybe maybe we should ask some of these guys to do the play-by-play. When yeah. Pete Arbogast is on one of your shows sometime, we'll ask Pete that. Huh? We got. We have to get Pete on. That would be good. During the offseason, we'll try to bring in some different guests and stuff as well, so I think that would be a good one to... Uh, that would be a good question. Save that one for him. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll ask... how Arbo. do you do? Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I love talking to Arvo. He's great. He's, he's funny. Uh, all right, well, we got a couple questions from Taylor... Uh, he said, I just want to preface this by saying I'm a diehard Trojan fan in Memphis, Tennessee, and the Trojan Empire extends far beyond Southern California. Well, hopefully, Taylor, you're going to be able to go over to Knoxville. I know that's quite a ways away from uh, Memphis, but USC basketball is playing in Knoxville, and I don't think Lane Kiffin is going uh, just for his safety, but the, they will play tomorrow. I believe it's tomorrow, Coach, December 21st. Yeah. Uh, so there. But he was in attendance for the Oregon game, and let me tell you, it was awesome. Looking forward to coming back to beautiful Southern Cal. Right now, he wants the, he has a couple questions. First, who do you think steps up on defense next year, Coach? Obviously, Jarrell Casey was one of the studs on defense. He's not going to be there. Who do you think is going to be a guy that steps up? Well, I think one player that will step up that got hurt at the end of the year is D.J. McDonald. I just love that kid. I think that kid's going to play on Sunday. There's no question in my mind. He's a leader. He's a hitter. He really gets after you. I really like him. But P.J. Hall, I'd like to see him. Isn't it, isn't it P.J. or P.T.? What is it, P.J. Hall? Wait, T.J. McDonald? Who are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, the other one. P.J. McDonald and Hall. Patrick Hall, Patrick right? Hall, yes. Yeah, I think he's got to be a great player. They need some They need some real leadership there in the secondary and so on. And, and linebacker, I'll tell you, they got to find some play people that can step in there and really get it done. Gallipo's got another year. Uh, I'd like to see him possibly uh, move uh, Kennard back to defensive end, have Kennard at defensive end and Nick Perry at defensive end where they can put some rush on the on the quarterback. You know, and, and this is something that, you know, is none of my business, but I'd like to say this. You know, you're facing in the Pac-10 and everywhere in the country more of this wide-open spread offenses with the quarterback and the running of the quarterback and so on. And I really think 
the best way to play that is uh, out of a 52 defense. I really do. You get an extra linebacker in the game, an extra skilled player in the game that can run. Uh, now, SC doesn't have the linebackers to do that right now, but I hope they have a great recruiting year, especially junior college-wise or high school-wise, where possibly, and I don't know if Monty Kiffin will ever consider this, but, you know, the 54 or 50 defense with four linebackers, I really think is the the best way to stop this spread offense. It, it really is because you take out a defensive lineman and you put in a more skilled lineman or linebacker that can run and cover and do different things. So I, I don't know if they'll do that, but uh, if they do do that, they got to get some linebackers. I think you've got to get more out of your great players. You've got to get more out of Perry. You really do. Perry's got to step up. You know, he, he he had more sacks in high school than any other in the history of Michigan football. They've got to turn Nick loose. They've got to turn him loose. you got to play like a champion, man. And same with Kennard. Kennard, what a recruit he was. Five-star recruit, great player. He had played up to his ability. Trying to put that kid in the game, both those kids in the game, and it's time to turn those type of people loose. And then I'd move uh, uh, Armstead uh, back inside as a defensive tackle. Casey's gone, so you got to get some big help inside there. And Because he doesn't move quick enough. He doesn't move. I'd even maybe move Horton inside. I really would bulk Horton up to 300 pounds, move him back inside. He'd be quicker if they're going to stay with the 40 defense, uh, 4-3 and yeah, because you don't have a lot of depth, and I, I really don't know who those people are that are going to step up. Uh, but but I tell you, those guys have got to step up. I know they had a lot of red shirts this last year, and and players coming in and so on. They had a disappointment last week in losing two JC players, and one went to Alabama and one went to Missouri. So that didn't help them. But they did sign the office, city of San Francisco offensive tackle. I went out and watched him play as an offensive lineman. They got him, but you you gotta you you gotta you gotta have some of the players that have come in. It's time for them to step up. It really is. It's you know these are five star, four star players. When you look at the recruiting for this coming class, the highest rated recruited class in the Pac-10 is USC. Still, now of course that's because of Thomas and and uh, Farmer and some of these guys that have these five-star five star ratings. There's only, I think, three teams in the country that have two five-star players, and SC is one of them. So, you know, these guys have got to all step up and play. And if you're going to be thin at certain positions, then you've got to utilize where you're thin and get your better players on the field, like the receivers. You've got to get those receivers on the field. And you've got to force someone to cover those receivers. And I don't want to get into what I think they should be doing offensively or defensively, but when you talk about people stepping up, well, you know, these guys are all top recruits. Unless they've been misevaluated and they're not as good as what they are, then the players that are there got to step up as a group and play football. And I think you can't worry about people getting hurt. You've got to start camp off with hitting going on, with their timings there, and be ready to play. Because they open up against, uh, I think they open up against Minnesota, don't they? Uh, I haven't looked, Coach. I believe so. I think they open up against Minnesota. And, uh, you know, the Big Ten, that's going to be a new coach coming out here with his program. And, and, you know, they got to get a good start right from the beginning, get on a roll. Because, 
You know, they got to go to Oregon next year. That's not going to be easy. Don't they go to Oregon next week? Yeah, but Oregon State comes here. they got a lot of games on the road next year. And they got to, they got to get up and get after. But they're halfway through all of this, Ryan. They're halfway through all of this 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 stuff that they've had to face, okay? They've one year's history now. They went eight and five. All right, let's get through the rest of this half so you can move back on to what's going on. And I hope on the appeal that this thing that they readjust this scholarship scholarship penalty too on top of all of the other things they good they do and, and and make it realistic, you know, and so that F C can can still continue to have a football program at the level of what what people expect and what's justified uh, for the for the NCAA as far as a penalty is concerned. It's been, you know, like I, you hear me say, you got me rolling now. They gave <laughs> they gave USC they gave them the electric chair. Yeah. They gave them the electric chair, just like the death penalty they gave SMU. The only thing they didn't call it was a death penalty. When they can allow players to come, other schools come in and recruit your players right off your campus. You ever heard anything like that? Nothing. Hey, by the way, you know what I found out this weekend? What, Coach? I was talking to Randall Cunningham. DeAnthony Thomas? Yes. His daddy, George Thomas, played for me. No way. That's interesting. Yes, his dad. Yeah, his dad. He played, he played for me as a receiver at uh, UNLV, played with the Atlanta Falcons for about 10 years, and I found out that was Randall told me that that was his son. So and when I, when I see him, I watch him, he does look like him. That's so, funny. you know, I'm just happy to say that uh, – I've got a grandson now at USC. With <laughs> all my players are my family. Okay, that's that's great, Coach. Uh, with, a grandson. That's all, yeah. No, he's USC fans are going to really like Anthony Thomas out of Crenshaw High School. So uh, he's that five-star guy you mentioned, George Farmer, uh, the receiver out of uh, Sarah High School, and Gardena is the other five-star guy. And there's more to come. We'll be talking about that with Gerard Martinez, but. Taylor, thanks for that question. Uh, he had some follow-up questions, but Coach, you, you hit on all of them about what Monty's going to do defensively, uh, uh, Devon Kennard. So I think you, you knew what – I didn't tell you what his question was ahead of time. But uh, I you, didn't know. I didn't know. I don't know if Monty Kiffin will ever go to a 50 defense, but I really feel – and I've been talking to a lot of coaches recently. I really have the, how you stop this spread with the extra great running back that everybody's putting. It actually is an extra running back, you know, in, in the game these these, these – tremendous athletes that are playing like a tailback position in the shotgun and wildcat spreads and you you got to the only way you can match it is with another great athlete on defense that's the only way you can play it yeah coach well i'm sure we'll see more talk about that in the uh coming weeks and months and, and years even about trying to stop the spread and especially with the the rise up there of oregon but one guy you didn't mention coach we'll leave this will be our last thought for the segment um we put up a story on USCFootball.com today about Christian Tupo, the uh, uh, defensive tackle oh, yeah, who yeah, redshirted. Right. So, I mean, it, he's, it's going to be really important for him to come in and basically pick up where, you know, Jarrell Casey left off and maybe you move Armstead in to play next to him, stuff like that. But he's a, he's a warrior. The kid is a, a true warrior, and I think USC fans are going to like what he brings to the table next year. He's going to be a key part of this defense, I think. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I apologize that I forgot him. Uh, but uh, I tell you, that's, I shouldn't be forgetting an athlete like that. I mean, I must be losing my mind. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But uh, I tell you, that kid can play, and he's a tough kid. And uh, he'd have played hurt even. I mean, that's the type of kid you love, you know. And he's a warrior, like you say. And and uh, they, they'll juggle people around. Like I say, when you don't have numbers in players, 
then you got to get all the great players on the field. You got to figure out a way to get them all on the field at one time. You can't be saving any of them. They got to get out there and play, and they got to be able to make their plays. And you put them in a position where they can make their plays. And you know, you got to get back to intimidating people. You know, there's nothing like intimidation when they watch you get off the bus, and they want to see what you really look like without a uniform on. I mean, I love that, man. I used to send up my ugliest guy would get <laughs> off the bus to, when we arrived. You know, he would get off and, you know, and I'd say, don't you smile at anybody. Because, you know, people look and they say, wow, man, where'd they get that guy from? <laughs> so there's always these little stories that you always have, you know, and so on. So it's great. I think you got to really perform and get your guys to play at 6-5 if they're 6-3 and run 4-3 if they run 4-5 and get after it. And that's all you talk about during the offseason, you know? All right, because we're looking forward to talking more football with you through the entire offseason. And again, podcast at USAFootball.com. If there's some other topics that maybe are general things you would like us to discuss with the coach, definitely drop us an email. we got a lot of time. Uh, we we always fill up the hour. It doesn't matter. I mean, we can be talking about anything for USC college football. Is it's really not that hard to uh, fill up an hour once a week. But if you have other topics you want to talk about or guests you want us to try and bring on, drop us an email. We'll do it. And uh, coach, again, we appreciate your insight. Glad you're back from secret assignment, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. You know, I started to think about the way I was talking there. It's not very much in the holiday spirit, is it? What? I got to get fired up. I'm talking about kicking, kicking everybody's butt and getting ready to go. Hey, this is the season you're supposed to be, you know, giving and happy and so on. And I'm talking about, you know, developing get gladiators. So, uh, so Merry Christmas, all you gladiators out there. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Make sure you turn your lights on and go to bed early on Christmas Eve. So, Santa comes and don't forget to leave him a cup of hot chocolate and a nice cookie. Yeah, next next week, Coach, I'll actually be in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, at my fiance's house. So we'll uh, we'll be doing the podcast from there. Hopefully, we won't have any technical problems. I think we I think they have the internet there. I'll, I'll tease my fiance a little bit. She's outside of Tennessee in this small town. So, but I think we'll be okay with the podcast from that. But we'll we'll be coming from you post Christmas next week's podcast from Tennessee. It'll be fun to talk to you. Make sure you get over the Grand Ole Opera, man. I would love to check it out. Yeah, I have a little country western music in. Okay? Haven't been there yet. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I've been there, huh? You'll like it. You'll like it. Sweet. All right. Well, Coach, thanks again. We appreciate it. Have a very happy holiday. We'll talk to you next week. Everyone else? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You get your tickets over at Southern California Ticket Service. They got Rose Bowl tickets. In fact, they got BCS tickets over there for the national championship game. Get in as much football as you can. Because you know what, Ryan? The college football season is just about over with. And uh, that's really when the sad part of the year comes. It's painful. But, yeah, go to sctickets.com for all of that, all of those tickets. And then we'll be back in 30 seconds talking with Gerard Martinez. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. 
now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we have uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez in the house. Gerard, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, swimming along and doing a little backstroke in my front yard with uh, all the rain. So, you know, it's a, it's a flood of recruits for USC this year, and I guess it's representatory of the weather outside. Yeah, the weather outside is certainly frightful. Not with the snow, but with the rain. I did get an email from my buddy who was up in Mammoth. They had uh, 10 feet of snow up there in Mammoth. We've had record oh, rains. Yeah, record <laughs> rains down here in L.A., so uh, not too much fun, but we can still talk about recruiting no no official visitors that uh, could ruin their weekend at least maybe that's that's a positive oh sign. no 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 there was one official visitor uh, ah. that uh, i don't know if the rain ruined his weekend i guess it's all relative and where you're from i mean people come from you know back east to southern california and they're like hey you know it's uh, i can drive and you know not a big deal just because it's raining it's not icy icy roads and and everything that you get back there they had uh harvey Langay come out uh, to uh, southern california this weekend on an official visit. He is a tailback slash fullback slash kind of a hybrid H-back, um, about six foot two in that 210-pound range um, athlete from, uh, he's from Bingham, uh, Utah, and he's a four-star recruit, and he's a mid-year guy. So they wanted to get him in, you know, before Christmas, and he's going to be making a decision here at the Army All-American game uh, in a couple weeks, you know, after the New Year. So they, they actually got him in on an official visit. Haven't been able to talk to him directly to get the, a review of uh, how the visit went. Sounds like uh, it's going to be, you know, USC or Utah, and um, it's going to be basically, you know, stay home for him or, you know, strike out and go to USC and really become maybe the only tailback or maybe the one of a couple tailbacks that they bring in this class. You know, it remains to be seen. They've got a couple guys on the radar. I think they've got a couple guys that are kind of off the radar that they might be bringing in for official visits in January. But at this point, you know, it's really Amir Carlisle and then it's Harvey Lange. And uh, I think both those guys uh, at this point are kind of, you know, uh, they're guys that people don't really think about at the top of their heads as far as, you know, bring back prospects for USC. But at this point, I think, um, you know, it's the guys that they have the best shot at. So we'll see what happens with Harvey because he's, you know, coming up and making a decision pretty soon. Uh, Amir Carlisle, we might have to wait on that until uh, we see how the Stanford the coaching situation plays out. Yeah, we got to, we had to see both those guys up at the Palo Alto Nike camp, and they were two definitely the most impressive players uh, that we saw up there. So that was a pretty good pretty good deal well let's let's get to uh so hopefully he didn't get rained out of his official <laughs> his official visit no 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 he just uh they they still had it i mean it was uh you know i, I guess one of those things where it was one of the few weekends where they only had one recruit in so that that's kind of unique and you, you have to imagine that he got a lot of attention from the coaching staff being the only guy on the official visit and so um that was uh that that's kind of the one question I think, you know, we, we'd like to ask him and kind of, you know, prod him about is, you know, just being the only guy on an official visit, um, you know, with this coaching staff uh, being, you know, as good as they are with recruiting, you know, how does that work out? You know, you figure on a, on a, on a, on a, on a weekend where you've got a lot of guys coming in, sometimes, it, you know, the attention gets spread a little thinner, but uh, he was the only guy, so he was the focus this weekend. Yeah, all right. He's only child for the weekend, so that's pretty cool. Only uh, child, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, let's get to some of these questions. We have a bunch who wanted to get to them all, if we can, and here is a voicemail question. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, uh, the number, what, oh, so 206-888-67. 
888-528-8255. And if you want to leave us a question, just let us know who you're asking the question to, if it's Gerard or Dan Weber or, or Harvey Hyde, and then uh, we'll play it on the air, just like this one. Hey, Ryan. Um, just it's uh, just after uh, Devontae Wilson just committed. Um, I saw in his uh, uh, video that he said he would he loved to play for Coach Ordron, who's obviously the defensive line coach. But everyone's saying that he'll possibly move to outside linebacker because he's not heavy enough and he's pretty fast um, and athletic. All right. Um, if you get a chance. Um, all right. Thank you. Bye. So kind of bailed on the question there at the end a little bit, but I think you get the point. Where do you think he's going to play coming into USC? Weak side defensive end is where he's slated to play, and I think he can play that position. He's a good 230 pounds right now, so he's a guy that could, you know, easily be 240, 245, and I think as a weak side guy, uh, if you're really a pass rusher and a skilled type pass rusher, not necessarily a combo guy that's a, a big guy, uh, which has kind of been what USC has used here in the past, a guy like, uh, um, you know, Nick Perry, who's, you know, up in probably that 265 range at this point, uh, playing weak side across from Armin Armstead, who's 295 pounds as a, as a strong side defensive end. Um, I, I think in, in this defense, you know, a guy who's coming into the, to the program, 230, 235, uh, is plenty big to play defensive end. The talk of him playing linebacker, the only issue with that is that he's never really played linebacker. We've never really seen him play linebacker at camps. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a stretch to be able to project how he would play in coverage, you know, if he's fluid enough. He is quick. He's actually a little faster on the football field than he is time-wise. I mean, time-wise, he's only a 4.8, 4.9 guy. He's not blazing speed. Um, but, you know, he's plenty fast enough in terms of, you know, football speed and, and, and watching him on, on you know, just kind of on tape and, and how he gets the ball and is able to run the ball down. But, again, that's, that's fine and dandy watched him run in the straight line, but seeing him in coverage is a whole other thing. So we haven't seen that. The coaching staff hasn't seen that. And I don't think that they're going to bring a guy in projecting him that way when they've kind of passed on other linebackers that have been guys that, you know, also kind of play that, uh, that hybrid defensive end and maybe they're more, their size is a little more keen to play in linebacker. I mean, we know Jason Gibson, they recruited as a defensive end. They didn't think he could play linebacker. That was an issue in his recruitment because he wants to play linebacker. Uh, same thing with Corey Waller. You know, they kind of slow play Corey Waller for a while there because they only saw him playing defensive end. They didn't see him playing enough linebacker. And Corey Waller actually ended up playing linebacker for a lot of the camp. So, you know, this, this staff needs to be sold, I think, on the position that they're bringing a recruit in. I think they really, really are emphasizing football players now, and they want to get guys that they have seen really be productive at a certain position. You know, guys that come in and they've done things, where, and they kind of have proven themselves. I think with Pete Carroll's staff, and obviously there's different circumstances in terms of scholarships, but I think with Pete Carroll's staff, Pete was a little more into projecting and kind of having it in his own head kind of what this kid could do on the football field as a Trojan as opposed to what he was doing in high school. So I think with this staff, they want to get guys that have shown it on tape that they've done something in a specific position. And, you know, with, uh, with Devontae Wilson, you know, he's the guy that had nine and a half sacks, uh, about 80 tackles. Um, he was, you know, definitely a good player playing that weak side defensive end. And at Corona, they played a similar, really similar defense to what they do at USC. Chris Claiborne is the defensive coordinator there. Chris Claiborne won a bucket award at USC and went on to play in the NFL. So obviously, you know, in terms of terminology, and some of the things they do at Corona, it is very similar to what they do at USC. All right. Well, let's keep with the defensive lineman theme. Kevin wanted to know, uh, he said there was four committed. He sent this in before Devontae Wilson committed, so there'd be five total defensive line commits already. How many more do you think they're going to get? The, he mentioned guys like Hayward and Townsend and Moala. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to really project at this point 
who exactly they're going to be able to bring in. I think Christian Hayward's a good example of a guy that kind of ambiguous. He hasn't been really um, a vocal about, you know, who his top schools are or, or, you know, really I think who he's leaning towards. For a long time, USC looked like they were on the outside looking in with him, but they offered, they got him on a visit a couple weeks ago, and now it looks like they might be one of those teams that's in you know, his top three or so. Um, you're also looking at guys like uh, Ishak Williams from Brooklyn, New York, who's 6'6", 220, has yet to schedule a visit for USC, but it looks like USC should get a visit. Uh, so he's kind of floating around out there. And, and then you've got Greg Townsend Jr., who's going to be visiting here pretty soon, uh, probably January 14th. Maybe that gets adjusted, I think, uh, January 14th. And I don't know if they have any vacancies for, for visits. I mean, I think they're pretty much uh, the hotel is going to be booked here because they've already got more than a dozen recruits already scheduled to come in for January 14th. Uh, but he's another player out there floating around. So you've got the guys that are, you know, committed, um, um, you did have the decommitment of Sheldon Richardson, and you said five, but it actually is only four right now. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, 6'4", 290-pound, really looked more like a strong side defensive end. I think USC was telling him he could come in and, I think, play for that strong side defensive end and being a guy that maybe even coming in and play instead of Armin Armstead, but obviously Armin Armstead's coming back. That may have actually had more impact on Sheldon Richardson's decision than Jarrell Casey looking to leave. I think Richardson definitely can project as that three technique, but in the end of the day, he ends up going to Missouri because I think he wants to play defensive end. So we kind of have to see how things unfold. I mean, I think five, six is is a number that they'd like to shoot for, but do you go off, you know, do you go over and try to get uh, quantity instead of quality? Um, you got a guy that's uh, just committed recently, a little bit off the radar, but a guy that I'm pretty high on watching his tape is J.R. Tavai. And J.R. Tavai is really a guy that, you know, 6'2", 260 pounds, had a little bit of that Christian Tupol look in high school, um, kind of projects more of a nose guard, really good physical, good frame, Looks like he's, you know, he's got a lot of pass rushing skill, but he's agile and he gets good leverage off the line of scrimmage. And, and I, what I like about him is he makes a lot of plays away from his assignment, away from his gap. So he's a guy that you're not, you know, you can you can stay on blocks and, and really have to kind of shut him down and slow him down because if you don't and you just try to chip him, he's going to stay on his feet and he's going to run you down sideline to sideline or try to make a play away from his gap. And I think he's a guy that really is a maybe a diamond in the rough. You know, I mean, not every player that USC is going to get is going to be a guy that's like, oh, well, he really should be a four-star when he's a two-star or he's not rated. But J.R. Devai is one of those guys I think actually legitimately has a shot at that. I think he legitimately could be a really, really good player. Um, so, you know, defensive line, I, I, like I said, I think you're looking at five, six guys that they really want to bring in at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, whether they're able to get to that number and be comfortable with it or not, I, I think that just, you know, kind of remains to be seen. We'll kind of see how guys project and, and who they're really able to get. All right, let's switch to the other side of the ball. Let's stick with some linemen. We have another voicemail question, this one uh, dealing with offensive line recruits. Hey, Gerard, uh, J.D. from Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm looking at our uh, O-line recruiting status right now, and it's, uh, I just don't see it coming together in a way we need. We're losing four starters, arguably, this year, with Reardon having started most of the last games and Smith apparently gone. And right now we've got uh, Martin, who you know obviously looks like a red shirt uh, next year, and, and Temple. Uh, Garnis uh, can help out, but uh, uh, do you know the status uh, on Aaron Douglas at this point, Cyrus Quanjo, um, 
Antonio Richardson and whatever happened to um, Pauli Asada and Cyrus Hobie. I thought uh, we were pretty hard on their heels. Anyway, I'm curious what your sense is where we are in O-line recruiting right now, particularly given the huge needs we have for next year. There you go. Gerard, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And I think, you know, the the one question, the, the part of that that really stands out is just Aaron Douglas. Aaron Douglas is signed with Alabama, so he's off the table. And I think if there was one guy that you, you could you could start to get nervous about with a particular position in the recruiting, um, it would have to be off the line because they lose Aaron Douglas right off the bat. So that was a guy that you kind of circled in, I think, for USC for much of the year and thought, you know, transferring out from Tennessee, going all the way to Yuma, Arizona, of all places, and being closer to the West Coast, you figured, well, you know, he's just trying to get closer to USC, and he knows the coaching staff, he's comfortable with the coaching staff, and he's eventually going to end up at USC, and it didn't happen. He's going back to the SEC and playing for Alabama. Alabama could have a monumental offensive line class with some of the guys they still have on the board. So, you know, the rich get richer in that respect, and the poor get poorer. And for USC, unfortunately, at this point, they are a little poor. Um, they're going to have to look at, you know, some of these big fish, uh, out-of-state guys that, uh, you know, you talked about Quandro, um, you know, Lyle Collins is another guy committed to, to LSU from Baton Rouge, a guy who took an official visit. You know, maybe they could try to work some magic late with him. You just certainly don't expect it. Christian Westerman is a guy everybody's talking about now because of Texas's woes and the coaching changes that they've had. He just recently took an official visit to Auburn, and now he's talking about Auburn. I know some of his family is from Alabama, so that might be an interesting, you know, pick for him. He definitely does. There was something that was posted on the Peristyle, which I think was a good observation. He definitely seems to be a little bit of a front runner uh, in terms of the teams that he's looking at and he's excited about. Uh, Auburn comes out of nowhere and gets an official visit, and he's also looking at Oregon for an official visit. It seems like USC should also get an official visit, but that's tentative, and you kind of have to wait and see with Christian Westerman and, and, and what he's doing and kind of you know his whims and whatnot. So, uh, you know, you you don't want to put your eggs in, in these baskets. These are not um, sturdy baskets, if you will, to be putting a lot of eggs in. And like I said, I think with USC to have a strong offensive line class, you really wanted to start out with that, you know, Aaron Douglas being a guy who had some experience. He'd played in the SEC. He'd started, you know, he was a freshman All-American in the SEC. You'd feel comfortable about him, you know, maybe not having to be a starter right off the bat for USC as a, as a, as a right tackle, but being a guy that at least you have to depend on in fall camp, and if you know maybe Kevin Graff doesn't uh, develop you want the way you want him to, or, or what have you, you can bring him in, and he at least competes in that standard of competition. You know, is still at a high level. Now you're talking about bringing in guys like Troy Nicholas, or you know maybe Torian White. Both those guys, good players, and I think they have futures, uh, especially Torian White just being a guy who's just a great athlete and I think can develop, you know, a lot with his frame. But at this point, he's still 6'6", you know, 265 pounds, 270 pounds. You can't throw that guy out there uh, on a Saturday, you know, as a true freshman for the first uh, five, six games of the season and expect him to be able to go toe-to-toe with grown men. I mean, this is the one part about, I think, recruiting – Offensive and defensive lines, it's very tough to find guys that can make immediate impacts early in the season for you. You know, I think even regardless, just kind of the freshman season as a whole, when 
they just have to develop physically a little more. You know, it's just a matter of getting stronger and, and being able to kind of uh, hold up under that attrition. It's, it's very easy to get worn out as a kid, you know, having to come in and play. You, you see very, very few guys like Andre Smith that are able to come in and, and play, you know, from, from an early part of the season, their freshman year, and end up, you know, playing the whole year. So USC, though, is at that point where they have one or two injuries and um, it, it might get very scary for them. So, the, the the nervousness that's out there among Trojan fans for the offensive line recruiting, it, I have to say that you know it's uh, it's understandable, and and we'll just have to kind of wait and see if they're able to get one of these guys um, kind of out of nowhere, Antonio Richardson or Westerman or Collins or someone um, that's able to come in. They've they've also got not Ryan Nowicki who came in on an official visit um, a few weeks ago, who's a, who's another good player, but I kind of put him in that category with Torian White and and um, and Troy Nicholas as being guys that. They just they need to develop more. They just physically need to put more weight on, and I don't know if you can expect a lot of those guys, you know, right out of the gates. And and that's really I think what makes everybody nervous at at, uh, at USC is just you know what guys are you going to be able to have in there for that right tackle position um, to play right away, especially when you're going to have to move guys around and find a center. You know, I mean, we're going to really right now, Abe Markovich is kind of the guy that looks like the best uh, candidate to be a center. You know, maybe they move Collett Holmes over there and see if he can do it, but then you're missing the guard, you know, so it's it's a little bit of a, a shell game there. You're mixing and matching and trying to find, you know, what works, and, and if you're able to bring in guys that are able to physically be able to play right away, then, you know, it makes you a little more versatile on the offensive line, but if you've got young guys you've got to develop, it, it just becomes that much much more difficult. Uh, all right, well, keeping along with that uh, topic there, Joe had a question about the offensive line, too. Um, he said he felt that you know next year might be the big year for offensive line recruiting because 2012, some people have talked about being the best offensive line class in California the past five years. Uh, he hasn't seen too much discussed about that. What do you think about it? Well, not a lot has been discussed about 2012 because USC is still in the middle of their 2011 class. I think it's been different this year because the the class is going to be so much bigger. I mean, we're used to USC taking 17, 18 guys per class. And this year, you know, they look like they're going to take upwards of 30. So we're still about halfway to go. I mean, we, there's still a lot of guys here that they've got to get in. They've been trying to get mid-year enrollees in. Uh, it was a big focus there with the early signing period. And so now, you know, things are still kind of hot and heavy with the 2011 class. So it's hard to, to get into, you know, what's going to happen with 2012. 2012, obviously, are going to have less um, scholarships. Regardless of what happens with the appeal, they're going to have less scholarships to give. So that's, you know, a little bit of an issue, and, and they're going to have to be a little more picky and, and choose, you know, who they want um, early on instead of just, you know, kind of being a shotgun offers and, and kind of what they did this year, especially towards the end of the year when they figured out, you know, we're just going to try to take as many guys as we can, especially with early enrollees. Um, with the offensive line for 2012, it is a very, very good year. I mean, it looks like there's going to be some real good players. Um, I could call it a banner year. Zach Banner, uh, the uh, son of uh, Cortez Kennedy, who played for um, the uh, Miami Hurricanes and played for the Seattle Seahawks, is up there in uh, Lakewood, Washington. He's a good 6'8", 305 pounds. Um, a lot of people have been talking about this kid for a long time and think he's going to be one of the premier players, kind of a Chantrell Henderson-level player coming out next year. Um, Andreas Pete is another player um, that uh, his brother, Todd Pete plays out uh, in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, Andreas is one of those guys that a lot of people have circled. And, and really, I think there were some schools that started recruiting Todd just to you know be able to get their foot in the door with Andreas Pete. Um, Jordan Simmons already has an offer from uh, USC, 6'5", 300 pounds. 
Um, probably actually a little more than that now. He looks more like a guard to me. I think the, the more, the bigger he gets, the, the more physically developed he becomes, the more he looks uh, more like a shallow Rochelle um, than I think, you know, a, a straight off to tackle type. Um, Freddy Tagaloa is uh, probably one of the best looking offensive linemen I've seen just from a, just from a frame standpoint. I mean, he stands a good six, eight, 300 pounds and, doesn't really have any bad body weight on him. Um, really athletic, pretty skilled guy. We saw him at the Nike camp, and he was running around uh, throwing the football with some of the guys, and he looked like a big tight end out there catching the ball. So uh, he's from a difficult part of uh, Northern California to recruit, though. He goes to Salesian High School, which is uh, the old high school of at best, and um, Salesian's kind of notorious for just sending kids to Cal. And right now it looks like Cal and Stanford really are standing out for Freddie Tagaloa. So there, there looks like it's going to be a solid offensive line class next year. But again, you know, numbers wise, you, you want to be balanced. And, uh, and you know, if you've only got 15 scholarships next year, um, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to be able to take a whole bunch of guys at one position. So we'll see. We'll see how they do this year. We'll see. You know, what they're able to kind of bring in with some of the high school guys, and then um, it sets up next year. But next year seems it really does seem like a year away at this point. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, it certainly does. Uh, well, we have a question from Kevin about Jordan Payton. There were some rumors. I think the Daily News reported that he was no longer a commander. USC wasn't uh, recruiting him anymore out of Oaks Christian. Uh, Jordan Payton, the wide receiver. Uh, obviously, wide receiver, a big position of need for USC recruiting. Okay, maybe not. But uh, <laughs> uh-huh, just kidding. Yes, they have wide receivers all over the place. I'm sure you run out. You eventually, I don't think we can ever have too many skill guys like that. But what's the real story on Jordan Payton? Uh, Jordan Payton talked to him, you know, shortly after that uh, that article was was posted, and um, you know, he's talked to the USC coaching staff. He was able to talk to John Morton uh, just uh, the other night, and you know, USC still interested in him, still has a scholarship to USC, and he still wants to go to USC. So, um, you know, at this point, that's the way it is, and there's not really uh, much that uh, you know I've heard that that's really serious about uh, you know him may, maybe not being a part of the class. And, and like I said, you know, there's obviously a lot that has to happen between now and signing day 2012. Um, but at this point, it, it all seems for not, and it just kind of was a, a little bit of a baseless report. Oh, okay. And then uh, we had one other thing uh, from Joe. He had a two-part question. We, we talked about the offensive line part. Um, he was reading some places where like guys like Marcus Martin or Kent Tureen, could, they, they could be listed as soft verbals. I mean, we do that in rivals. Sometimes there'll be a soft verbal, sometimes solid verbal. Um, you can comment specifically on those guys if you want, but what does the term soft verbal really mean? Soft verbal, I mean, for rivals is, is defined as uh, a kid who commits verbally and then looks at other schools and visits other schools. So if uh, a recruit has taken official visits or is scheduled to take official visits to other schools and is committed to one school, then they look at him as a soft verbal, mainly because, you know, that we've learned in the past, and I say we, I mean, I think anybody who's worked in, in the business of, of talking and interviewing and writing about uh, recruiting understands that uh, official visits can sway kids very easily and, and kids go back and forth on their word all the time anymore and it's just the way it is so you know a kid that's not going to take any more official visits let's say Trey Mann for example he's basically shut down the recruiting process and so you gotta you gotta look at him as a solid verbal you gotta look at him a guy that is really comfortable with this decision he's confident um, he's really not listening to other schools he's solid you know he's solid in his commitment he's, he's more than likely 
uh, a lock to sign with the school he's going to. And then you have other kids that, that are, are less, you know, uh, maybe solid in their commitments. Kent Tureen has scheduled uh, official visits to uh, several schools. He's already visited Nebraska. He's going to visit Georgia. Uh, sounds like he's trying to schedule a visit to Tennessee. He will officially visit USC January 14th. But he still is kind of entertaining the process and says that, you know, he's pretty committed to USC. He feels comfortable with USC, but he's still exploring those options. So that's basically the definition of a soft verbal. Uh, that's a commit that, uh, you know, he's, um, he's committed and he says he wants to go to that school, but there's still other schools that are courting him and there's still other schools that uh, he's entertaining interest from. So um, it's just not kind of the same thing as a guy like Trey Madden who's, who's set and ready to go and, you know, more or less, uh, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered to the school that uh, he committed to originally. All right. Makes sense, Gerard. And then one last thing we wanted to mention. We got uh, something from Evan on Somovanuku. He's a cousin of Ray Maluga, and he signed. He was one of those guys uh, signed the early signing period. He was, does this mean he's definitely wearing Cardinal and Gold next year? It means that he will enroll January 10th, and he will go through spring ball. And if, uh, you know, he keeps his grades up and he keeps focused, then he should definitely be in Cardinal Gold uh, next fall. But uh, he does have a couple months of school to go through, and he's, you know, got to become acclimated to college life and, and classes. He kind of took a year off, basically, uh, or I shouldn't say a year, but, you know, a semester off of school. He only had a couple of uh, English classes and, um, you know, re- retook his ACT. Uh, so he didn't really, he kind of almost gray-shirted this year. It was more or less that's what, you know, he called it. And so uh, he's kind of got to get back in the swing of things. But, you know, he's a smart kid. Uh, he's articulate, um, one of the more insightful kids that you talk to. He's just, you know, got to be motivated. And um, hopefully, you know, when he gets in there, and uh, John Baxter, uh, who's uh, been noted as a guy that really has a great academic system that he puts in place for the players. And I think that's something that you've seen, you know, in USC in, in, in recruiting junior college players. You know, we talked about it time and time again how difficult it is for USC to be able to recruit junior college players. Even guys that are mid-year guys, we've seen fall through the cracks a little bit. And, um, you know, that was an unfortunate thing with uh, Aaron Douglas because he was a full qualifier out of high school. And some of these other kids, you know, Damian Stafford would be an example, a kid who was not a qualifier out of Norco High School, big-time safety prospect, got an offer from USC. USC's tried to get him down for an unofficial visit, but they, I think they've looked at his transcripts at this point, and he's not going to be an early enrollee. So that completely changes things. You know, that, that, for USC, a guy who might not be an early enrollee, he may not qualify for USC in general. So they can't take chances on those guys. They can't have any non-qualifiers. So I think with John Baxter, um, you know, kind of in place, he did some magic up there at Fresno State. They were able to get in guys that a lot of schools couldn't, and he's really able to look at the fine print and find ways to make sure that they're able to get qualified and uh, if they've got work to do, sets them on the right course. So that's kind of a, an added bonus to, to, to John Baxter that a lot of people I think don't really know and, and, and kind of off the – off the beaten trail a little bit as to, you know, is a, is a coach a really good recruiter? Can you, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Well, getting guys qualified, man, that's a pretty big deal when you're talking about recruiting. And if you've got a coach who just understands the system and knows how to work it and knows exactly what, uh, you know, kids need and what they don't need and is more efficient in that area, then, um, then you can gamble more. And, and you've really got, uh, you know, a, a, a great little asset to have. I think that's uh, pretty much what John Baxter's been able to do with uh, some of this junior college recruiting you guys have done this year. All right, great. All right, Gerard. Well, that's great stuff. I appreciate uh, you coming on again, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Yes, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, God bless. Hopefully everybody has a safe uh, Christmas and uh, Hanukkah and, and everything else. We will see you on the, I guess, the other side of the new year. And I don't know, man, are we going to be doing it from, what, San Antonio pretty soon here? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, I'll be in uh, Nashville next week, so I'll, I'll try. I think I can still do the podcast remotely. We'll try that out next week, and we can um, do that. It'll be just after Christmas, and then the following week we'll be in San Antonio. So that should be fun for the Army All American game. So we'll do a, we'll definitely do a show down there. I think we're going to try and do some UStream stuff as well. So we should have a, should have a lot of fun with it. Cool, cool, awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here in Southern California, stay dry or wherever you are. Be good and uh, enjoy, enjoy the, the holiday season and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.